following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, Christian Life Austin, and good evening, Austin. This is Pastor Rex here at Christian Life Austin, and we're so happy to welcome you tonight again into our hearts and us into your living room. Now, I know that many of you are saying, Pastor, this is getting a little bit old. You know what, folks? For somebody that loves people like I do, it's been old a long time. It really, really has. But I have enjoyed coming into your living room, and I'm going to enjoy it again tonight. I have something I believe worthwhile for you tonight, something that will cause you to want to grow in God. And that's what it's all about. So why don't you just get your pen and your paper ready and get your heart ready to say amen and get your hands ready to clap to the Lord because we're going to go into the word of the Lord tonight in a very unique way and we're going to talk about the things that God wants us to hear from. I know the coronavirus is on the news. I mean, we've turned it on like you have. It's on there all the time. And I know that we are perplexed about all of this, but thank God we're not cast down. We're not destroyed. We're not put under. We are still working the things of God. And many people are joining and coming to know Christ. Two weeks ago or a week and a half ago on Easter, we had over 200 salvations. And last Sunday, we had several, several, several salvations happen right here on the air. And so there's a lot of great things happening. So look at the positive, accentuate that, eliminate the negative. And we're going to have a homecoming here very, very soon and we're going to all be back together. And when you come back, when you come back, you're going to be so blown away because we have been working. We have been working so hard to get this church ready. The balcony's gone. Our office, the old offices are all gone. Things have just had a brand new look. It's a brand new look. And we're going to be able to share that with you when we get back together. We're this close to finishing the the, the new side over here, the new foyer. So we're pumped, we're excited, and we're thrilled that uh, you're a part of this. I want to thank, I want to thank our, our uh, health care providers. I want to thank you folks for just doing such a noble job in helping people all over Austin. Our doctors, we have many, many physicians in this building, in this church, and we have many nurses and one of the joys of pastoring this church is on Wednesday night, many of those nurses and those doctors come to church in their scrubs. They come straight from the office because they want to be in church, want to be a part of this. And I want you to know that I send out a big old thank you, a big old thank you so much, doctors and nurses, and thank you for those that have helped so many people and you hadn't been able to do anything outside of a mask, and so you've been masked up. You've been trying to protect yourself while you're helping others. So I give you an applause today. I give you an applause. I thank you for that, and I honor you for that. You are valuable, wonderful people in this community and to this pastor. I also want to thank, before I get started, I want to thank your continual giving. You know I don't talk about money in this church hardly ever, but I want to thank you because you have taken it on yourself to continue to support Christian Life Austin. And because of that, we've had, we haven't had to lay off anybody. We hadn't had to furlough anybody or give anybody a decrease in pay. We're continuing to have our staff the way it is, and, and they're very grateful. The staff wanted me to thank you because they're very grateful. I'm very grateful, and this church is very grateful. Folks, we're in a building program, 
and we're able to pay our bills and go forward. So I thank you for that, for giving from your heart and giving from your soul, and you are blessing Christian Life Austin. So I've talked enough now. Let's, let's preach the gospel a little bit. I'm going I'm to speak to you tonight on what is my worth? What is my worth? In the book of Psalms, chapter 139, I'm going to read a very, uh, a very quick passage here, just three little verses. David said, I'll praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So, pastor, do I matter to God? What is my worth? You know, people many times come to pastors in great distress, and that's appropriate. Though we don't always have precise solutions for their dilemmas. But a kind pastor can certainly provide and will provide a safe and confidential place to share troubles. And then we can connect them with a loving, all-wise, and all-powerful God. And, you know, some people have come to my office and they feel so low, feel as if they're pushing up from the bottom, that they just can't get out of the doldrums of life, and then make statements like this, my mistakes have been so awful that there's no way to repair the damage, Pastor. Or my sickness... My sickness is so serious and the prognosis so dismal that I have thought to save everybody a lot of trouble and expense, I will just end it all. Or, you know, Pastor, everything that I attempt seems to fail and I'm just a jinxed person. I think I was born a loser. Or, I'm not useful or needed by anyone. I am good for nothing, Pastor. And faced with such pessimism many times and depression, I sometimes have to ask kindly, but to the point, who gave you the right to evaluate yourself? Who gave you that right? And how did you determine that? And they look at me as if I have spoken in some foreign tongue some Swahili or some Portuguese or something they don't understand what I'm saying. Then I explain, only God has the right to make a final evaluation of you, not you. You are not your maker, but I know who your maker is. And he is the almighty God. He is your maker. Let's see what God has to say about you. Then Many times in the past to, have make my, to make my point, I sometimes would take out my wallet. And if it was a lucky day for me, Patty might have put a couple of 20s in my wallet so that I would have something to eat and not have to beg for bread. And I would take out that Andrew Jackson $20 bill. And I would say to my friend, friend, if I were to give you this bill, would you find it useful? And the friend would always say, oh, yes, I never had a no, never have had a no answer. Then I take the bill and I scrunch it up maybe into a knot and tie it. And then I say, would you like to have it now? And they always say, yes, I would. Then I would, I would drop the bill and I would step on it several times, not stomp it, but just step on it. And without hesitation, I would ask them again, would you like to have it? And they would always reply, yes. 
And then I explain. You have answered that because you know something. You know the maker of this wadded up, stepped on $20 bill is the United States government. And they will stand behind this bill even if it's filthy or roughed up or stepped on or has had a bad hair day. <laughs> now, then I would say your maker is God. You have to understand if you can trust the government with a $20 bill, you need to trust God with your life. His evaluation of you is constant, even if you're dirty, even if you're roughed up, even if you're stepped on and stomped on and had a, a bad hair day. When he made you in his own image, he hung an invisible price tag around your neck. And there is no dollar figure that the price tag on that price tag because dollar figures don't go high enough. But God has written just one word on your price tag, and that word is priceless. Priceless. It's priceless. And then one day, 2,000 years ago, God robed himself in flesh, and we celebrated that a week and a half ago, the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And he died on a cross for you. Jesus died on a cross for you. And on that day, that one word on your, on your chest, that price tag was, was capitalized and red blood inscripted and surrounded by flashing lights. And it still reads priceless, but it's all caps now. And it's in red letter now because he died for you. See, that's your real net worth do you really matter to God, you say? Am I worth anything? Yes, of course you are, without a doubt. How do I know? I'll tell you how I know. I'm going to give you four powerful biblical reasons that you're special to God and to God's kingdom. Number one, first, you were God's idea before your mother conceived you. I love this. God knew you before you were ever conceived by your mom. The Darwinians, the evolutionists, would have you believe that God had nothing to do with your origin, that you're just an accident of nature. The Bible says, no, God spoke those words to his servant Jeremiah when he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Hear that. I knew you before you were formed. Before you were born, I set you apart. David said, your eyes saw my unformed body in Psalms 139. I'm going to repeat it. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Oh, I feel like preaching. Because every person is originally God's idea. No one is ordinary. Every person on this earth, every person on this earth is immortal. And because of that, you'll live forever somewhere. I trust it's heaven, but you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Governments come and go. Seldom does one last for a thousand years and cultures and civilizations change and not a single corporation has any real permanence. It's rare for one to last a hundred years, but each person, everybody I'm speaking to here tonight will last and live forever. The waitress who served you at that restaurant before coronavirus shut it down the custodian who cleans the building that you work at, 
the transient person who slept on the park bench last night or under a bridge, they're all immortal. And other than communion or the Bible, your neighbor is the most holy object you will ever see because the Lord said, love your neighbor as yourself. And when you looked in the mirror this morning, oh, hallelujah, you were gazing at an original and eternal creation of the Almighty God. I heard about a man that was at a water cooler one day and heard some men talking about a particular man that had passed away. And one of them said, you know, when God made that man, I bet all he did for the rest of the day was just stand around and smile. He didn't want to do any more work that day because that man was so unique. Can I tell you that everybody that I'm preaching to tonight, wherever you are, is that unique to God because before he made you, he knew you and he knew what you were all about. You're special to God. The second biblical point I want to drive home tonight is this. You bear an amazing resemblance to God. You look like him. He made you. You were made in the image of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all miniature gods. But it does mean that human beings have some great godly capacities. We're spiritual. We're creative. We're rational. We have morals. And we're immortal creatures And though sin has spoiled and distorted our godly image, we are still reflections of the Almighty God. No matter where you are today, you're still a reflection of Him. I know some of you are thinking, I wish God had given me more hair or made me taller or less bow-legged or less freckled or maybe took the middle out and put it more in my chest and not in my waist. I want to say, come on now. Even God could only do so much with the raw material he had to work with, folks. Come on, help me out here. Regardless of that, Darwin may have thought we are as different from other creatures as animals are different from vegetables, regardless of what Darwin taught. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image He counseled with himself in our likeness and let them rule over all the earth. God made you to rule over all the earth. And David declared, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, we are. Do you know science has discovered that the DNA strands from your body, if they were stretched out in sequence, they would reach to the sun and back 400 times. That's 93 million miles one way. Can I tell you, folks, you've got some stuff in you. You have some creative business in you. God didn't make junk, and nobody that I'm preaching to is junk because your DNA is so powerfully a part of what God did for all of us. You know, if you cut your finger while you're peeling an apple, your flesh will heal itself automatically. Just imagine if your car could heal itself when dinged in an accident. Can I declare to you, I had three lovely daughters, and there were seven total wrecks in those three daughters' lives. And I wish the car would have just winked at me when one of them had that wreck and say, Rex, in the morning when you come back out here, I'm going to be fixed. I'm just going to repair myself tomorrow. But cars didn't do that. I had to fix them. But the body does that because we're complex. We're marvelous. We're a creation made in the image of God. I read about two brothers who were separated early in life, had not seen one another in 30 years. Separate families had raised them. 
and they rediscovered each other via the internet and made plans to meet at a certain airport on a particular day at a particular time. And one brother got there early and saw a man walking down a corridor toward him. He hadn't seen him in 30 years and said, I knew it was my brother. I knew it was him. You know why? He said, because he walked just like our father. You bear an amazing resemblance to God. That's the second reason I know that you're worth something and that you're valuable in the kingdom of God. And the third thing is simply this. God ransomed you at an enormous price. So God not only knew you, God not only created you, He ransomed you. He paid a price. He purchased you. Our ancestors, Adam and Eve, made the dumbest deal in history. They forfeited their godly heritage in a misguided attempt to seize exclusive right of God. Adam and Eve wanted to be equal to God rather than servants of God. And all generations since have come into this world with a sin-tainted DNA. But God loved us so much that He offered a way for us to reclaim our rightful place as children of God. It cost Him. It cost Him big time. It cost Him enormously. He bled. He died on a cross in order to pay the penalty for our sin. Paul said, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And then he went on to say the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that perish, but to those who believe it is the power of God unto salvation. That's why as long as there's breath in my body, I will be preaching at the cross Still makes a difference. Oh, he knew me before I was created. He made me in his image, but he died for me so that I could have a life and that more abundantly. And when we respond in faith, so great is God's love that he not only forgives, he not only saves us, but he changes us. And then he also makes reservations for us in the eternal kingdom. Can I tell you, he's our reservation agent. <laughs> How does that feel, knowing that you have a reservation agent whose name is Jesus Christ? Ten years ago on a Sunday, it was in the summer, late in the summer, I got out of church and was headed to lunch and my cell phone rang. And it was the voice of a former pro, a pro football player and my personal friend. And he said, do you want to meet the great Bum Phillips and Dallas Cowboy owner Jerry Jones today? And I said, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. No, I didn't say that. I said, yeah. And he said, they're here at the Alamo Dome waiting for you to get here to meet you. They want to meet you. And I said, oh, yeah. Really? What else are you selling today, sir? I knew they didn't know who I was. And he said, can you be here by three? I said, I can. And said, I'm on my way. So he told me where to go when I got there. And he said, when you get into this certain place in the parking lot, he said, There'll be a couple of men there to meet you. They'll be waiting on you. And he said, one of them will meet you and bring you to the proper place to meet Bum and Jerry. I said, that sounds like a good ice cream company, Bum and Jerry. They'll be waiting on you. Can I say when I got there that it all went down just like that? And I was privileged to meet Bum Phillips, and I was privileged to meet the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. And every Every time I think about that moment, I just kind of get tickled because it just happened like that. 
But every believer that I'm preaching to tonight has a reserved place in heaven. And one day, when you and I get to the doors of heaven, the gatekeeper will see some kind of mark on us because we're going to be marked for redemption. There's going to be a cross mark on us somehow. We're going to know. They're going to know that we are who we are, indicating that something during our lives, some time during our life, we accepted by faith God's marvelous, marvelous offer of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. And the gatekeeper will say to us, your places here are reserved and guaranteed. And by the way, you're sponsored by Jesus he said himself, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. He said that. So I believe him because there's one thing that he cannot do. He cannot lie. One more piece of evidence of how much God loves us. He ransomed us. He ransomed us. So say it with me at your home. He thought about us. He made us. He ransomed us on the cross. And the last is even the least of us. Is of, an, is of enormous value to God. You know, there's a story in the Bible that makes this point so extremely well, so well. Luke wrote about it in his book, and Jesus was on his way to a home of a big shot in Israel. He was a keeper of the synagogue, Jairus. He was the equivalent of a Jewish bishop. And his only daughter was dying, and before Jesus got to his house, the daughter would die. She was 12 years old. And this big crowd of people was on the road with Jesus because they were running, running with the big people. And suddenly Jesus stopped the parade. You know why? Because he wanted to deal with the person who was at the very bottom of the social ladder. Legend has it that there was a woman who was there that was a Gentile from Caesarea Philippi, not even a Jewish woman. And if so, if she was a Gentile woman, she was regarded as of little or no value by the Jewish patriarchal society. Furthermore, she was suffering from internal bleeding, and that made her ceremonially unclean according to Jewish law, and she had had this condition for 12 long years. She was not even supposed to be out in the public at all. It was worse than the coronavirus today. But she made a statement when she heard Jesus was coming. She said, I don't care how low I am. I don't care how much people disrespect me. If I can just touch his garment today, I will be made whole. And Jesus, when he felt that somebody had touched him, he said, I know that power has gone out of me. Somebody touched me. Somehow this woman knew immediately she had been healed. It must have been embarrassing for her to step forward. She was not on the level of who Jesus was running with right then socially. You see, this woman believed that her suffering was due to some sin in her life, so she had four strikes against her, not three. Jesus was not content to just solve her physical problem, though. He wanted to heal her. He wanted to heal her and her spirit also. He wanted her to know that she was also forgiven. Then he said, daughter, what a beautiful way to speak to the lowest person on society's totem pole that day. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus made that Jewish big shot wait until he first dealt with a nobody who discovered she was really a somebody on a particular day with Jesus. So the question is, do I matter? The question is, am I worthy? Am I worthy enough? 
Listen, if you remove God from the picture, our God, human value sinks like a rock. If you're just an accident as Darwin theorized, you have little value. If you're a Sunni Muslim, you have no worth in the eyes of a Shia Muslim. Just as the unborn baby is often regarded as a benign tumor by some secular pagans. Just as the Israelis and the Palestinians regard each other as the scum of the earth. If you remove God from the picture, none of us has any inherent worth. Our worth becomes not one penny more than others' usefulness of us. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote a masterful novel called The Cancer Ward. A young political prisoner is talking to a nurse and reading from the patient records in the cancer ward. The prisoner notices that hardly any people actually die in that ward. And he asks the nurse about it. And she says, we discharge the patients before they die here. Once we see the patient is beyond help, we move him out and make room for people we can help. And that made sense under the Soviet system which declared that God was dead and they still believe that God is dead. So if God was dead, human worth was not established by God. Therefore, the government or the system could establish human worth and they made it about 98 cents per human. 98 cents per human, less than a dollar a person. Now contrast that cancer ward with the ministry of the late Mother Teresa in India. She provided shelter and help for the homeless and the AIDS victims and the poor and the dying. And when she was asked why, she explained they were created by God. That's why they deserve to die with dignity. See, Christianity, folks, never measures people by how useful they are. We measure them according to the specifications of their maker. And he says, I am worth dying for. I was worth creating. I was worth imagining in my mind before I ever put you in your mother's womb. I was worth that. If I had to vote for the greatest work of art in the world, I would vote for Michelangelo's David. That 17 foot tall statue in Florence, Italy. Patty and I were privileged to see it in 2015, it was masterful. I stood there for almost an hour just looking at that fabulous, fabulous piece of work. It was a masterpiece of Renaissance sculpture. See, the artist portrays David at the moment he decided to do battle with the giant Goliath. <laughs> Michelangelo created David from a huge block of marble that had been quarried 25 years earlier in northern Italy. And two other sculptors had attempted to work on the block of marble. Get this now. But they had given up, claiming that the quality of the marble was inferior and they couldn't make what they wanted out of that inferior marble. But when the master, Michelangelo, the genius, came to bear on this block of marble, it became David. It became David. See, some people regard themselves as plain inferior incapable of becoming or doing anything significant. But if I can just get the hands of the God of heaven on you, if I can put God's hands on your life tonight, I promise you, you can come out of this night 
made something greater than you ever thought imaginable in your life. See, when you place yourself in the hands of the master, he can still create a masterpiece. So do you matter to God? Yes. He made you in his image and he redeemed you on the cross. He hung a price tag around your neck and it still reads priceless, priceless, priceless. So I close tonight, I close tonight with this. I want to, I want to share this with you tonight. I want to tell you this from my heart to your heart. You matter, you matter. You know, some people say that when people are alone that they think more negative than they do when they're with people. That's why it's so important to come to the house of God and to worship and be together because we get lifted by others' faiths. But many of you have been by yourself and you've been quarantined and you've been in solitude and I'm sure you're about to go stir crazy, but I send Jesus to you tonight. I send Jesus to you tonight. I want you to understand that you're worth you're worth so much to him that he does not devalue you at all. He values who you are because you're special to God. You're special to the kingdom of God and you're special to this church. So I want you to lift up your head right now and I want to bless you all in your home right now. I want to pray a blessing over you and say, God, I bless these people that have listened in on this Wednesday night. And I pray favor on their life. And I pray your goodness on their life. And I pray your love on their life. And may they wake up in the morning realizing, you know what? I heard a word from the Lord fitly spoken to my life last night. And it was like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. And God, I gave my best, my heart tonight to these people. And let them know that you thought about them. And then you created them. And then you died for them. And then even the one that feels like that they're the least in the kingdom, you'd stop a whole procession just to heal their need. I love you. I truly do love you. And I can't wait to preach to you on Sunday. I've got something beautiful in store for you on Sunday. May God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he show you grace. May mercy walk with you. May you be blessed in the morning, in the evening. May you be blessed when you set out at dinner, when you be blessed in the city and in the country. May you be blessed. I love you with all my heart. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We'll see you this weekend. God bless.